Hello and welcome to the Hacking State Podcast. This is your host, Alex Mershak. With me today is Nikolai Yakovenko. Nikolai, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Um, so uh, you're quite an interesting guy. Um, you're involved in a lot of um, AI and, uh, and I guess, previously uh, NLP stuff. Um, but today we're going to talk about sort of your latest venture, uh, which is Deep News. Um, so if you would please just uh, give the viewers a brief overview of like what is Deep News. Sure. Well, I mean, the way I've been talking about it, um, I'm here in in San Francisco for the OpenAI event, sort of AI Week. Mm -hmm. And to people sort of in that world, I just say, look, it's an LLM, you know, large language model, you know, chatbot, what have you, that's aware of what's going on right now. So as a lot of you who have used ChatGPT know, you know, you try to ask questions about stuff and it's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a language model. I was trained, you know, on data only going back to 2021. Um, they actually just updated it last week to dot 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 april 2022 mm. or 23 23 they got up to this year but it's still six to nine months out of date um if they really wanted to they could probably get it like quote unquote current within a month um but probably not more than that realistically certainly not within the day and absolutely not within minutes which is what we try to do so from the perspective of the machine learning sort of people who know a lot about this stuff think of it as like it's, it's called a you know retrieval augmented generation so you're able to answer questions, talk to people, write stories, et cetera, um, you know, with these AIs that are, you know, good at language and understanding, but given extra information about what happened. Um, to translate it to a normal person, we have, you know, website uh, notifications that you can turn on, chatbots, sort of that whole sort of slew of features, all, all automatically generated by AI, um, all up to date with what's going on in all kinds of different topics. Mm. And this uh you know product or project uh was sort of a long time in the making what was the initial impetus behind it yeah i mean once the chat stuff came out it became kind of obvious to me we needed to do this but but yeah i mean pretty personally i've been involved in this space across many projects and companies for a long time just been fascinated by recent information i was um lucky enough out of college a long time ago to start on google search when i went to google and which you, which you sort of see is what you saw sort of saw was you had this you know beautiful kind of ideal algorithm, a lot of real thought and theory behind it that was really good for showing you the latest information, but it had no concept whatsoever of recency or of time. You like, for example, in Google, they would basically show you the website that had sort of the most links and proof and things like that. I mean, I think a lot of people, but certainly your audience at a high level know how Google works, even if they don't. Hmm. But then you have something that's recent that has like less proof and is noisier, or in some cases, it's just objectively worse, and people kind of want a new thing, you know? So then you saw all of these different things. It's like, well, someone looks for a conference, and you know that, that there's a query, and it could be appended with a year. So take that and automatically just like, ah, implicitly add the latest year, you know? Or if the conference version is seven, then try eight, you know? Just all of these different hacks, all to, to adjust for the fact that um, information was not really, you know, these inf big information systems were not really meant to deal with the fact that the world is actually changing and people have a strong preference, strong, strong preference for recent information. Um, mm. And this is still the case. I mean, ChatGPT doesn't account for, you know, it, it's still kind of 20 years later. I mean, maybe not 20 years later, I'm not that old, but, you know, 15 years later, you're, you, you know, it's really never really addressed up front. So I've had a lot of different systems around this and different things, definitely built it before. 
LLMs and AI, which is always just kind of fun to interact in the real world. You just get a very different product than really real, real demo. Um, and it's actually interesting because you go to these, you know, large language model demos for, you know, coding or whatever. And, you know, Sam, Sam Aldman, you know, did it at the OpenAI keynote. It, it become completely standard to do a live demo where you build a thing and says, okay, write me like a little program. And it writes a program and it works like, and is done in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. um, or we're asking it sort of questions. And in our case, like we're just doing that with recent information. So that is of course not to say that, that the most recent information is the most important, but I will say two things. One, say something really major happens, like Meteor hits Miami, God forbid. You know, you want the agent or the news channel, whatever you're interacting with, the news website, anything that you're dealing with, mm -hmm. to be aware of that very quickly. If it doesn't, it's sort of, you lose the plot. You don't trust it. When you ask a question, it's like, oh, maybe there's something else. It's like out of date, right? So that's mm -hmm. the one case. You absolutely need to get those things very quickly when it's obvious. But the other thing is you do have to manage information because you, know, you can ask like what's going on in biology or genomics. And, you know, there could be something like 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 a meteor striking Miami, but that's very unlikely. You, you know, a lot of times the information is going to be not just from hours, not just from days, but maybe even from weeks ago. It's still relevant. You know, like a lot. that's why a lot of these scientific magazines are published. Well, in the academic community. A year later, which is ridiculous, but you know, even popular science magazines often write about stories from weeks or months ago, and that's okay. So that is a challenge, right? If you mm -hmm. really, really want to get wonky about it, like information that we exchange has like it all has some sort of uh, time decay aspect to it, but different bits of information, you know, are at completely different rates. You know, so if me and you are talking, adding like even a small latency of the phone would completely ruin the conversation. Yet um, at the end, if we took the information exchanged. There are some bits that are like worth preserving. I mean, obviously, this is a podcast, so 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 higher, you know, than, than than other conversations. But even within that, when people say summarize something, what they really mean is like, what's the information that's actually going to have relevance, you know, hours or weeks or months or years from now, mm -hmm. um, you know. So I, I I think a lot of this stuff is is not really necessarily, you know, in, in, inherently handled so uh, so um, explicitly. But the particular thing is, is you end up with a situation where people are using chatbots, interacting with 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 with, with uh, chat agents and language agents that are just not aware of what happened yesterday. And I think that is we're, we're really the I, I would I would argue the first and certainly the best uh, company that is trying to fix that. You know, um, yeah, you know, which means you know we have it on our website or chatbot. We obviously want to make that available to other sort of interactive agents. I think it's a very rich world, and you know, you want to talk to an agent that actually knows what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So there's obviously this uh, this like recency bias that uh, humans have that's obviously important for certain domains. Um, there's also um, this issue of like knowing what information is actually important that's out right. of all, all the information that that is recent. So how do you deal with yes. the problem of like um, you know of, of of noisy information or is there like some sort of source sure. qualification? Um, how yeah, no, that's filter. a great question. And, and that's the main thing, of course, is that that's also why, you know, a, a large language model could not just train on all the information and, you know, because because it's too much and a lot of it just doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. So I will say two things. I mean, first, really, what's nice about some of these AI models, um, some people don't like the term. I think it's a term, you know, it, it's just a term people are using is fine. Um, but really, it's it's it's. You know, the reason it's appropriate here is that you're really just saying, okay, can you teach the model common sense? You know, that a person would look at it, you know, the, the example I think of is, okay, you have a bunch of VCs talking about going to Cabo mm -hmm. um, for the weekend. That's, 
that's not really newsworthy. That's not going to appear on our site. Maybe if they're really important VCs, maybe it would appear sort of like deep into the tail and you can sort of find it if you look for it, but you wouldn't have a notification about it. Like you would be lost, right? Maybe it's open search. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Maybe, probably not, right? But then uh, a bunch of those same VCs are like stuck in the mud and burning man. And that is, and that is newsworthy, right? That is newsworthy. People care about that. And I can't exactly define why, but I think it's pretty obvious. Um, ex post facto, you can sort of, sort of just see a lot of people talked about it, like more significant people talked about it, but you see the volume. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like this, like unequal weighting, but you know, you don't just say like vote for your, by your Twitter following. Maybe you vote by like the log of your Twitter following or something. I don't know. So ex post facto, you can sort of figure it out what did matter based on attention that it got. Um, but obviously to be relevant, you need to get that ahead of time. So just by looking at the text, you can sort of tell, you know, say, you know, Neuralink announces a new device, right? Yeah. yeah. A anybody would know just based on that information that that's significant, you know, whereas like Neuralink announces, um, I, I don't, I don't know that they're, that they're changing their, their dental policy, you know, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that that's, what's cool about the AI is you can, you can train the models to estimate this and it generalizes quite well. Um, we actually, I mean, there's just several ways to do it. I mean, what I mentioned, which is looking at sort of ex post facto, you can label the stories after the fact. It is noisy, but you get pretty strong signal there. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is you can do, you can sort of give it to other more powerful language model, the GPT-4. That surprisingly did not work very well. I mean, it got the obvious stuff really well, but it wasn't very good in the, with, the, with the stuff in the middle. So you sort of can't really draw a nice line there. Very little information. Things that are like, 0%, like 0% it's likely to be important in God and 100% likely to be important in God, but everything else was kind of not great. Um, so in, in, in practice, we ended up labeling like thousands of stories ourselves um, manually, which is good. We learned a lot and we're going to keep doing that. I mean, I think in the longer run, obviously, you know, you want to have a mix of, of human labeling and sort of automatic noisy, but sort of strong signals uh, mm -hmm. after the fact. So yeah, you, 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 you can't automate these things. Obviously, you have some novelty, but you're also combining with real signal. You know, if a lot of important accounts are talking about it, you'll give it some credit, sort of not necessarily overriding, but augmenting the score. You end up in a situation pretty quickly where both the text score is predictive and just sort of like sort of what's the what's the sort of engage, you know, sort of the amount of people talking about it is significant. But if you combine them, you quite easily get something that's better than either, which is which is nice. What are some of the most uh, interesting features? that are offered by this that, you know, differ from like a traditional news aggregator? Well, I'll tell you some of the kind of the, the, the compliments that we get um, is that, um, is that, you know, I, I think objective would be too, too, too strong a word, but like, it's sort of the, the, the old term is like, it sort of says, tells the news straight, you know, it mm -hmm. just tells you kind of like directly what happened, you know, um, doesn't really try to spin it. Not a lot of editorial, but you know, but people sort of get also get confused on what, news or factual means, you know, um, for example, because uh, people also ask, of course, about, you know, misinformation or fake news or whatever they want to call it. That's kind of a buzzword and people do care about it, actually. Um, but like, take something like the, 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 you know, the alleged uh, hospital bombing in Gaza, right? I think that one, we actually had um, the way that that worked. And by the way, we didn't tell the model what to do it, you know, and ends up reporting a version of the story to say, okay, you have one version, you know, the Israel Defense Force says this, and you have another version where sort of like Quds, you know, the Palestinian news service says this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually completely correct in this case, because um, that is both true. That is what they said. And I think both of those are newsworthy and significant. And um, that's people, what the model, you know, the model 
spat yeah. out. It said, I have these, these sources, they're conflicting. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it, it doesn't really know the conflict as such. We could, it's just not a feature we built. We don't really even label like which side, you know, give it, you know, sure. red or blue tags or whatever we could. I mean, it's just not probably a priority. I'm not sure we want it at all. Certainly not the top thing we want, but what's good is that, you know, oftentimes if you have, you know, both, you know, or multiple people commenting on something, it'll group it into one story. But in this case, it actually, they were so far apart, it just split them into separate stories, both of which sort of trended and you could see fine very easily. And the thing is, we cite our sources, you know, at the bottom, um, so you could see who said it. So any person with, you know, like a, a reason, like a reason, reason, reasonably informed can see, okay, this is who's saying this, you know, generating a very short story with an informative headline, like a paragraph long. We'll probably have slightly longer stories going forward, but you know, you see what the main point was and you see who said it, right? So it's a lot more, it's a lot more efficient than sort of trawling all the news sources and aggregating yourself in your brain. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're getting, in this case, the, the, the both sides, I think, was the correct and complete way of reporting. And that's exactly what it did. And uh, do you think that this is solving a, like, an ep epistemic problem uh, as far as the news goes? Um, I'm not educated. What does that epistemic mean? Uh, just like, a, like, is it is it improving the quality of uh, information mm -hmm. or knowledge that's being produced? Sure. I mean... I think so. Um, I think it's it's like comparing it to sort of traditional news sites. I would say a couple of things. One, it's significantly faster um, mm. because it, it operates at the speed of, let's just say, Twitter, you know, um, or, or at least very comparable to that. So you're sort of taking, even if a bunch of news sources don't have it sooner, still have it later, you're sort of taking the, you know, close to the lower bound. Um, so that's good. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of, it, it's really splitting up the, the, you know, the facts and the opinion and saying who's saying it. I, I would say it's a, it's a cleaner, faster way to get things, um, a lot less fluff, a lot less clicking potentially. Uh, but if you do want to know more, you want to get into more detail. Um, you can, I mean, you can, you can go to the, to the source material or you can look at similar stories. And I think we do, we are going to have a version, you know, of, of things that are quite deeper and brings in other sort of sources, you know, right now we're not really, we're really focused on recency. So we're mm -hmm. not even really, um, trying to pull in longer form sources other than, you know, up-to-date Wikipedia sort of as background, you know? I know a lot of people don't like Wikipedia. I know it's got a lot of issues, but, you know, say you have a situation where, like, hedge fund A is buying hedge fund B, yeah. and you're like, you don't know what the background is. Up-to-date Wikipedia is not the worst way to go. Have, have you been de dealt with, like, any issues uh, or, I guess, concern trolling uh, regarding, like, misinformation? Yeah, I get that question a lot. I mean, I don't know if it's concern trolling. I think people really care, obviously. They have a, they have a pretty, pretty strong opinions, usually. Whether these opinions are their own or <laughs> they got them from somewhere, uh, but, but like I said, I mean, I, I think we've actually done well explaining sort of the the Gaza uh, the Gaza version. Um, did people ask, oh, well, what about North Korea? Do you want to spread? Do you want to basically spread their point of view? And I'm like, yeah, I think I do actually. Like, if they're saying something and it's relevant, you should report that's what they said. Um, not everyone agrees with that, but I think people people do sort of recognize that that's a logical point of view. Um, you know, I think people, I think when you get, when you dig into some of the, the, the preferences, um, I think a lot of people do have the preference for just the side that they agree with being reported and nothing else, mm -hmm. but we're just not doing, we're just not doing that. Now, obviously you still have to figure out, you know, what are people actually saying? Is it newsworthy? I mean, you don't want it to be too noisy. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the problem with a lot of the primary source material, Twitter, Telegram, things like that, as great as they are. Um, none of us can read all of it. There's a lot of repetition and you know, sort of pulling out the main important points and bringing them together, I think does provide quite a good service. 
I think LLMs are very well set up for it in many ways. And actually, yeah. this version is obviously going to get better. And just no one's done this. You know, there's obviously been other companies, also very recent. I mean, all of these companies are new that are doing, you know, sort of more like a, like a, like, like a, like a search with LLMs, but no one's really focusing on the news. So, you know, if you, if you know the history of Google and things like that, I mean, it just news and recent information just has to be handled differently for it to be effective and, 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 and better than the alternatives, which I think this is in many ways. Um, yeah. So uh, are you, um, like, so, so one of the things that sort of gets talked about a lot with regard to like just generative AI is like the proliferation of sort of noise, right? Uh, just like, yeah. gen- like massive amounts of content just being produced, uh, not by yes. humans. Um, and it seems to me like this is an interesting application because in some way it's kind of, um, it's taking the opposite approach, which is like using generative AI to sort of do a lot of uh, like, like compression. Um, that's right. No, no, that, that, that's perfectly said. Apologies for interrupting, but that's absolutely right. And actually, the whole way that we look at LLMs and things like that, and even previous language models, is compression. Right? You're taking all the information on the internet, and you are compressing it into knowledge, into grammar, into things like that. Right? It doesn't mean you're throwing a lot of it out, but you're getting the commonalities that matter most. So that's absolutely the approach here. Um, I think it's maybe like the generative thing takes people for a spin. Yes, if you can say, look, we're just we're generating you know, thousands of new articles per day. A lot of these articles have different versions, right? Like we are generating a lot of content. You can say the content is clinical, it's not original, right? But you're absolutely right. The idea is to sort of filter out the noise, to cut through the noise, to organize this stuff. And I think that's what's great about recency. It's just really hard to imagine you could do this without a machine, right? You can never do this by hand. Mm-hmm. Now, whether we're doing it well enough, you know, for you to use is a different question, but I think inherently, whether it's our system or a future version or something like that, like, it is what people, I mean, it's the only way to do it. You know, you, it would be like, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of what, what Google came about. You know, there's a lot of yeah. information on the web and you, you needed machine ways to find it. Right. And the question wasn't, you know, it's like, can, can Google be better? Can Google be like biased in the way that you want or not? But, you know, there's no going back. Right. And, and so it is, it is performing a kind of like distillation then. Um, That's right. And do you think that this is something that like, like, I guess, I, I haven't uh, spent time with the product, but are there people that are already using this as like their primary newsfeed? Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, a small user base. I mean, this is without even the chat interface, which is really what we're launching now. Um, it's sort of still in V zero private uh, alpha, but it'll be up publicly or somewhat publicly soon, like very soon. Um, yeah, just even as a, as a website, um, in, like the product we've had for a while is a website, and then Telegram channels with notifications. Notifications aren't perfect. Um, we got a, we did a good job of avoiding duplication, but deciding in the moment which story is important enough for not is like a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we probably overshoot a little bit. And in general, notifications are hard also because you you want to you want to tweet it as early as you sort of want a notification as early as possible when you have the least information, right? Um, whereas for a question, it's different. Ah, I'm ready now. Tell me the most important thing. Well, you got the most recent version of the story, right? Notification, you can't go back and change your notification. Um, so yeah, people are definitely using it. A lot of people are using it for discovery. I know I am. A lot of people are just using it to just check in on, you know, things like say the Ukraine war and things like that. Um, instead of you know, instead of you know, aggregating it on on on, on Telegram, we're waiting for someone else to, to 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 aggregate it for you, which is probably how most people consume that kind of content. They wait for their favorite podcaster or commentator to tell them what that person saw on Telegram, right? Right. Um, 
um, which is fine. I think, I think, I think actually we're going to see a lot more of that. I think maybe I'm just biasing it myself, but I think, you know, these, these new podcasts are news analysis podcasts are doing well. And I think people, you know, we, we would like to, to do more stuff eventually aggregating opinion. I think discussions and opinion can be quite interesting, but uh, for now they're not really a big focus. I'm not saying it never happens, but the focus is really kind of more on the, on the news, like what happened and, or what someone important said, right. Or what things were announced. Right. Right. And uh, would you, you talked earlier about, you know, getting third parties basically to uh, be able to utilize some of this, like, would you imagine this? uh, I mean, I don't know what you guys are working on, but like building something out like this, that's more like a, like a, uh, I don't know, like an RSS or like a protocol um, that other organizations just like tap into. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know about RSS, but yeah, I mean, I mean, fundamentally, like, say on Telegram, we're already sort of putting out the stories with our notifications mm-hmm. again, with the limitation that updates are difficult. Um, I mean, just to give you an idea, the one of the things that was announced at the OpenAI Developer Conference on Monday was sort of their, you know, their GPT Z store. I don't know, the name is weird, but basically the idea, like, hey, instead of just having GPT and being able to customize it yourself. Um, people are going to have these sort of, I mean, in their view, sort of pre-configured configurations. Um, I don't think it goes far enough, but the idea is, you know, these are things that are powered by GPT. You know, some are audio, some are, some are like, you know, multimodal, like audiovisual, some are text. But the point is, they think of it as sort of recipes, right? But very similar to like early apps in the App Store, you know? So, yeah. The idea, again, I'm not saying we're actually going to do this, but, you know, you can imagine one of them just being news and it's our news, right? And you, yeah, you, you, you access it that way. You could connect it to other things. You could you know, put it on your company Slack, you know, you could customize it in certain ways. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could imagine, uh, you know, your, like my deep news has a profile of me as a reader Yeah, and that's it right. serves me the articles that I would be interested in because I don't that's actually right. care about everything that's happening in the news. No, 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 people don't. So for example, a uh, big bit of feedback we got on the website was like, just get rid of all the sports. And we actually like literally listened to our uh, to our audience, and then I was like, yeah, I don't know, like we don't have the top story when you know the Rangers win the World Series, right? Like maybe we should bring back sports, but just like demote it a lot, you know, which is probably what we'll do. But that's the reality: is that is that even you know, sort of the duality of it is on the one hand, so um, you know, in in our, in our version of the world, which is obviously you know English, Americentric for the moment, um, you know, we're we're really only generating about two to three thousand self-updating stories per day you know and then sorting and filtering those um, and that's actually kind of inc- includes everything you'd want to know from the latest open ai announcements to the rangers winning the world series and much much smaller things than that there's just there's actually not that many stories interestingly enough uh but even mm-hmm. within that there's a huge amount of variety so people people say they want personalization um i'm sort of mixed feelings about that i mean i think that they do but a lot of it is just really topics like you said so for example if you're interested in AI topics, your feed's not going to be really that different from mine. The differences, if any, will be very, very small. But people definitely have strong, strong differences in whether they're interested in, say, NFTs or not. Um, you either are or you're not. Or maybe you are a little bit, you know? So um, definitely personalization is on the list. Um, still, I think, much more important to rank things correctly in the first place within the context, right? Like the ranking is from the perspective, if you care about this high-level topic, do you care about this story? So there's always like a prior, right? Yeah. Are you worried about uh, like pressure um, 
on like political topics. I mean, I know you brought up mm. like geopolitics, mm. but uh, especially like American domestic politics, uh, you know, could could be like an area where uh, I could imagine. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the news is largely uh, alleviated from that pressure in the U.S., but uh, that that's yes. like an area that that could be a concern. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, to tell you the truth, when we started this, I kind of didn't want to have politics. I just wanted to avoid this issue. But, you know, that was naive and very quickly changed our mind because even if you're, say, following just interesting niche topics like, you know, crypto and uh, and tech and AI and science and things like that, uh-huh. I mean, if, if you follow if you follow a bunch of biology accounts, for example, I mean, like good ones, you know, PhD scientists writing about stuff. Ninety five percent of the content is not about biology. There's probably more biologists talking about Trump than about biology. So, given that's the case, kind of the correct way to handle it is you might as well handle the Trump thing, and then you can identify it and just part of your system. And it's like it's easy for the model to be like, yeah, they're actually talking about this politics thing, you know. Because and everyone's talking about it. I mean, you really can't run away from it in America. I don't think. Um, I mean, you can suppress it, of course, the way we suppress sports. Um, as far as pressure, yeah. I mean, in America, I wouldn't worry about it too much, especially the kind of stuff that we're doing. Um, yeah, maybe. maybe I, who knows, right? But I, I would say one thing. So, I, I sort of forgot how what a concern it is for some people because it's not a concern for us. But I was mm-hmm. talking with a gentleman yesterday. You know, not going to dox him or anything, but you know, he works for. You know, he works on, on 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 technology stuff, LMs, you know, whatever, for uh, uh, one of the large, you know, fan companies. And he was very concerned about not just the so-called disinformation, but the model saying anything mean or bad or, or people using it. Like, it's actually kind of interesting in his perspective, but he's like, yeah, he doesn't want the models for his group to ever be possible to be used to, like, post something mean on Reddit. You know, so he was thinking of these concocted ways how it could possibly happen and i'm thinking like yeah i guess on some level it does make sense if you're a big company that's like embarrassing for you it's a problem um for us as a small company say somebody managed to somehow wrangle our model and get it to say something mean and post it mm. not just free publicity okay. so first of all our model is very clearly not trying to be mean i mean talk about the news there's very little really weird stuff in there at all yeah. you know like it's, it, it, it would be hard for you to have a to have a spicy conversation with a model, but if you manage to pull it off and you post it about it, like, ain't nobody cares, but to the extent they care, it's, it's just more publicity for us. Like, I love it. As a startup, nobody knows who you are. Um, you want people to know who you are, generally speaking. Maybe not at the same time. Maybe you don't want, maybe you want that publicity to grow in a certain way, but, you know, but if you're a large company, including, frankly, OpenAI, like, they've, 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 they've been, a, they've been pretty, compliant at the high level with sort of some of the sensitivity police and censorship, but I, but I really don't blame them at all. Like they're trying to build their thing and they don't want to have problems, you know? Like, so it's, yeah, it's easiest to actually a story that I saw just today. Yeah. Um, you can see it on our site. Now there was, I guess, just a kind of a small story, but it popped up. It was a, you know, apparently at at some sort of session, some climate protest, some climate protest, you know, uh, showed up at, you know, um, chairman Powell, uh, doing something on the Capitol. I don't really know what was going on, but basically the story was basically like uh, to general uh, the Jerome Powell told them to like close the effing door, something like that. That was the quote. Yeah. Right. And that's like clearly the quote. People do the F star, you know, quote. 
but like that's what people reported it as consistently. And our version of the story said he said close the door and got rid of the F thing. And you know, that's kind of annoying because it screws up the story, it makes the story very confusing. <laughs> like the story is much more clear if you just write the code correctly. Mm. Um and, and, and you're seeing that in a lot of the the models because obviously we're you know we're using third-party models whether we're fine-tuning them or using an api and i think i think definitely you have seen at the, at the margin kind of like censorship of course but also just just sort of like sensitivity training that comes off as kind of weird you know like i don't think anybody really minds that the model would just report the code but you know if you force the model to be like very not mean then you just i don't know at the end you end up with a strange situation so that's a that's an issue but I would say more for us as users, like um, of, of these models, um, like I don't really care if the model reports quotes correctly. I think I think it should report the report, report the quotes correctly. I think even the New York Times would write the quote correctly, actually. Mm. And um, what uh, what features are you uh, like planning to build out or like that are in the works right now? Sure, a bunch of stuff. I mean. You know, definitely, I think that the format and delivery mechanism is the biggest is the biggest threat at the moment. Not that the news couldn't be better, faster, broader, all of that. Absolutely, I think mm -hmm. we can make it, you know, much better. Um, but I think it's how it how it reaches people is really the form factor. You know, um, like especially the space is getting a little bit crowded, and fundamentally, not not the news space, but just the LLM space, um, the language model space, and you know, and, and fundamentally, it's a battle for attention, right? But I think mm -hmm. it's good because it makes us you know, try different form factors and sort of lean into the ones that people actually really enjoy, um, that they find interesting. So that's why the chatbot is, is, is exciting. I love using it. I already kind of prefer, even though it's not even out yet. Um, I think a lot of people will. So that's, that would be, you know, and I would obviously, once it's public, would be great for your readers to try it out and listeners. Yeah. The chatbot being the, the deep news reporter that you sent me on yeah. Telegram. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, so that that you know that's sort of still the alpha version. Um, uh -huh. But but I think but I think we should have a public version for that soon, maybe as early as next week. So that, that's exciting. Definitely the form factor, um, and that gets into like a lot of small details. You really like realize how kind of personal it is. You know, do you want it? Do you want things to be very short versus longer? Like I like very short versions. If I ask mm -hmm. what happened in the NBA, I actually want a couple sentences, and then I'm like, mm, tell me more. You know. Um, you know, other people want links and sources and some people actually literally want citations in the response, which kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, what was the story and what was the main source for it? Um, I don't want that. So necessarily, I want brevity. So I, I think a little bit of um, kind of like customization like that is interesting in the form factor, just to make it sort of a, a joy to interact with. I mean, I think what's cool about the chatbot is you can ask very vague questions and give you actual answers and doesn't say, I don't know. So you, you know, if you ask what happened in sports, it tells you stuff. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not the best stuff it should be, but it just tells you stuff and you're like, ah, oh, tell me something else, right? Um, you know, there are occasionally where the answer is nothing. I mean, the answer could be what happened in the NBA yesterday and the answer could be there's no games, nothing happened. Uh, or maybe there were games and also nothing happened, but sort of have to be careful about that. Um, you know, other things, I mean, there's there's a lot of, I mean, once you get this going, there's a lot of interesting things that the LMs, that, that, that the AI can do, you know, you don't necessarily you get sort of get for free. Like I said, you get a shorter version, a longer version. You can pre-generate all these things, find the one that's best for you or through very simple commands, like tell me more and tell me less. Um, 
you could translate into different languages. And I just translate since the model is generating the story. It's actually just writing it in the language. So it sounds natural that I'm extremely excited about. Um, yeah. I'm obviously as an American, I'm very interested on some topics to get actually the best sources from those languages, which you can also do. But I think realistically, most the more practical thing is actually, you know, if you're in a South America or Brazil or whatever, you're not going to have the same level of reporting about tech and yeah, and crypto and stuff. I mean, realistically, people are reading American sources anyway. So might as well deliver it to them in their language. Maybe I think that would be. I think that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not trans, not like transliteration, not like Google Translate, but actually well written. I think that's doable. Um, ideally, potentially go past you know, sort of your top five romance languages and the more challenging languages. Um, yeah, I think that would be cool. I mean, I, 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 it would be, I mean, I don't know how far away the AI is from being able to read it and understand Chinese, but I would find that interesting. It's quite good in Russian, I will say, as a native Russian speaker. Um, mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of prompting, but GBT4 is very good at Russian. I mean, Russian's a big internet language in general. There's a lot of blogging in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. So it's um, sort of punches above its weight population-wise. But um, it took some prompting. I had to sort of set it up correctly, but I could have a proper conversation where it actually speaks like in the in the colloquial vernacular and speaks like properly as a real person, not something that feels like a wooden UN translation, uh, which is exciting because yeah. I'm not really super literate. I don't have the Russian keys on the keyboard. So I would, I would, I would, I would type in English and it would respond in Russian. And that was really fun. Um, I think that works in a lot of languages actually. Was getting the, uh, the you know we talked in the beginning about like recency and the need for speed um like was that a technical yeah. challenge at all um of course what did you do yeah, i mean it's get that going yeah i mean the details are pretty boring but i think just just to sort of explain how it works right so uh, uh, there's fundamentally two ways to get well three there's three ways to get the model to be fast right you can either like Okay, if you had infinite capacity and things like ran fast, you could just sort of just keep training on the internet all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Just take what, what, what OpenAI does, but train on, on new stuff all the time. But it would cost you a, a huge amount of money and it, would, it just wouldn't work, right? Because there's just a lot of stuff, right? Um, okay, so, so then fundamentally, you know, you, you know if, so, if, you, if someone say has a question, right, what happened in the NBA, you can, you can issue a search and sort of like pull the search results and summarize the search, right? You know, scores, everything, right? Um, or you can do what we're doing, which is that actually like no one's using the website, but we're continuously, you know, pulling our, you know, tens of thousands of Twitter accounts we follow and other sources and updating these things and basically generating like, okay, what are the stories here? Okay. These were already had, these are the new stories, right? Scoring mm-hmm. them, re-ranking them and writing these like small bits. And what's cool is you can actually see, you know, like minus the metadata, you see exactly what we're writing because we're storing in the medium of language, right? So the stories that it generates with the sources and the headlines, that's actually also the inputs for the chatbot. So you're sort of, you're, it's like a knowledge base you're continuously updating in real time. Um, you know, it's obviously, there is a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a, you know, sort of a tick, right? Like it doesn't generate stories literally in real time, like every, say, you know, a few minutes or something, it checks like, okay, you know, what are the, you know, what are the stories and is there anything that's new, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, um, like really a lot of common sense stuff. I don't want to get too much into the details, but um, but challenging for sure. Um, you know, it's a fair amount of data, and it ha- you know you're sort of doing a global kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like all against all. Um, one I guess analogy you can think about it is, you know, you, you're sort of going in and out. You have these bottlenecks, right? You take all of this disparate information. You have to sort of push it through this bottleneck where it's sort of 
you know, builds uh, the candidate stories, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of like, and then, and then fans it back out, right? So think of it as the, you know, like, like the whole innovation from FedEx, right? Was, you know, all of your packages get sent to Memphis, you know? Mm-hmm. And people were like, but why? That makes no sense. Like I'm sending the package across town. Why does it have to go through Memphis? Well, it does, right? It's just a lot more efficient. It's the only thing that works. And, and fundamentally, we're doing the same thing. We're taking all the information, running it through this, um, this bottleneck. Right. Um, and, then, and then you have the candidate stories, and then you can sort of paralyze things again, right? You can say, well, is it new? Is it interesting? What topic does it belong to? Um, is it any good? You know, do we get extra information from, from it? So yeah. you know, or orchestration for that is not super complicated, but, but you do have this bottleneck. And eventually, obviously, if we covered enough stuff, you know, you could potentially be like, okay, you know, FedEx doesn't work this way anymore, right? If you're sending your your package from China, you know, to well, I don't know what China. If you're sending it from one place in Japan to another place in Japan, it's not going through Memphis, you know, it's going through some sort of local hub. Yeah. So, so just like to give people an idea, like, um, you know, there's a story right now on, um, you know, uh, lights light speed faction launching a large uh, crypto fund for blockchain. Startups. Oh yeah, I saw that one. Yep, yep, good to see it. And, you know, in the article, you know, there's like, I don't know, seven or eight different sources that are cited. Um, And then, of course, the summary at the top. Um, And, you know, it's pulling from Coindesk, it's pulling from TechCrunch, Tech Insider, etc. One of the questions I had is like, uh, given that like, most of these articles were written, you know, uh, looks like somewhere around like seven to 10 hours ago. And this article that it's in front of me was like you know generated um three hours ago like what is the time interval at which it's sort of like checking okay here's you know a number of things i can bucket together that count as like one story and then i'm gonna push it up yeah so so i mean it may have been written earlier than that the way we account for time is maybe not ideal you know uh we kind of look at the average time so if there's you know if some of the stories are more recent i don't know i'm just saying is i'd have to check the logs we usually get a lot more quickly um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I think maybe an interesting example would be the open AI announcements, right? Mm. Where, you know, people, people, you know, they all got announced, people were live tweeting, they were commenting on it, people followed up later, right? There was like a whole news cycle about it, you know? Um, but actually you also have people talking about the leaked information as well. <laughs> so actually mm-hmm. we had it really before the announcements in a sense. Um, but obviously as you get more information, you're going to refine the story and focus on more on recent and more trustworthy information. So that story sort of evolves, right? You don't want to, you know, you would just want to see the latest version of that story. Um, maybe I forgot what the question is, but, but I would like, but I would like to highlight one thing, just sort of what's, what's kind of interesting that this works and it works kind of pretty, pretty resiliently is, Mm -hmm. Okay, so for the VC raise story, we'll just say there's, you know, 10 sources or something, right? And then probably there's some that are missing. I'm sure other people outside of TechCrunch talked uh, and, you know, VentureBeat or whatever talked about it, you know? Um, maybe not. But, you know, 10 sources. I mean, it's 10 out of tens of thousands, you know? It's uh, maybe a dozen or, you know, mid-sized story like that, maybe a dozen tweets that are really about it out of, you know, like tens of thousands of tweets or hundreds of thousands of tweets. So it's kind of interesting that it can sort of find that needle in the haystack kind of effortlessly, you know? Yeah. Um, one other thing I notice is that often, uh, you know, obviously all the sources are cited, but also there are like additional citations, usually in the summaries. And those appear to almost always be like Wikipedia. Is that something that you sort of like do automatically? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's many different um, deep learning models that are involved here. And this one's just tagging entities. So yeah, exactly. In the case where, you know, this model is like, hey, there's an entity, which obviously the, te the output text is very clean. We don't really have a capitalization issue because it writes it itself. So you can apply these models and it's like, okay, we think this is a person, this is a place. And if we match that entity on Wikipedia, we link it. Um, mm -hmm. Probably not, <laughs> excuse me, probably not super relevant for a lot of stories. Most of the time, you know what the entity is, but sometimes you don't, right? I bring up the case of the, you know, a lot of these financial stories, you know, you'll have a person or a company you don't really know much about. So rather than having to, to type it into Google, you can just link it. And also, that's also useful for, um, for sort of, if you want to think of it as a graph, right? Like, what are the outbound links from this article? Where it's like, well, it's, it's to the sources, it's to the entities where you can see other stories about these same entities, the same people, companies, et cetera. Um, you know, we should be showing similar articles soon. Actually, pretty easy to do, just sort of in UI, we're figuring out how to do it. So there's just sort of a linkage of, you know, you, you, you see something because the stories can be pretty compact. You're like, okay, just tell me more about this, right? And you can imagine just walking out, you know, to all the links and, taking a order of magnitude bigger context and potentially summarizing that. Yeah. So um, are there any like categories of information that you're not really paying attention to at the moment that you think would be fruitful to go into in the future? Yeah, I mean, many. Um, definitely one that has been a little bit tough is uh, things like science. I'd be very interested to know what's going on in science. We, we do have those sections science and biology and genomics, things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, aggregation there doesn't seem to work quite as well. Things need to be, to be more spread out over time. Um, I think in many cases, it's you kind of, there's more of a need to go and like sort of click through the links that people are sharing, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think also just the language models don't understand it as well. So you'll have a bunch of people talking about different papers about, you know, single cell biology stuff, and they kind of get grouped together, which is not wrong, but it's not necessarily the best summary, you know? Um, right. Other things, of course, like opinion, like opinion, um, I guess mostly on Twitter, presumably, but there's definitely very interesting back and forth, very interesting conversations that are relevant, you know, say in AI, you'll have debates between, you know, should it be closed source or open source, you know? Is, you know, is, is AI like safety a danger or not, you know? Um, you know, we're certainly indexing all that content, but we're not, we're not really necessarily grouping it together. And we're certainly not, don't, haven't tried to turn that into a compelling summary. And we absolutely could. Um, similarly, but differently, kind of ironic, given that in the previous company, we we're doing just, I was doing just this, but we don't have the best coverage for like live events, like live sports. So if you really want to follow a tense NBA game, great content on Twitter. We're not, you know, we're organizing around the story. It's not really about, following more like a timeline, mm -hmm. we could sort of know how to do it. It's just, um, so I mentioned just a few, just these are three sort of niches, like you know, the science, um, sort of like opinion debates uh, on, on, around topics, you know, and then live live events coverage. So I think there's just gonna be a lot of verticals like that, that can be, you know, that are really like, would almost be a separate product, but I think could be sort of treated on their own and we could we could absolutely uh, add here for a richer experience. Not easily. If it was easy, we could do it. But it can. We can. It absolutely can be done. Yeah. So is the is the issue with live events that it just like, uh, it's not just like the lag time 
it's also that like it's it's hard to know like as emerging information is coming out like what is actually salient mm. yeah that's part of it i mean i would definitely say you, you get things out of order a little bit but i think the bigger issue is a lot of times the best you can really do is just show is just really a lot more code based you know just highlight the information you know mm-hmm. so say okay like i'll give you something concrete that's that's the uh where i think in general we do have very good coverage so like boxing and ufc you know um are pre kind of boring but it's fine our, our post analysis is great but during during the actual fight say you've got like a five hour on ufc fight you know mm-hmm. people are talking about what's going on like who's winning what the strategies are what the scores are if you look at it by hand you can absolutely organize it into like a an intelligent timeline with a, also even a little bit of source diversification with like sort of you know um you, you can turn that into a live timeline which would be awesome you know um for sports you could for like us even like pre-game like pre-game before nfl or soccer game people have really intelligent analysis of what the strategy is going to be you know things like that you can you can pick things out for the context of in-game you can definitely pick out the tweets in with a pretty good model what's good and what's what makes what goes well together but i think it would really be a lot more that like you really want um you really just want to cite the best sources and you could turn it into a summary that would be fine um, but it's really finding those best sources as like a narrative, you know? Yeah. And, um, as far as like, um, you know, growth of the platform, um, I mean, how are you guys, uh, like looking to sort of, um, grow or is that sort of less mm-hmm. of a concern at the moment? Well, definitely, definitely. Um, no, we're, we're interested in, in signing people up and being used. Of course, I think that's important because mm-hmm. we also got a lot more feedback Plus, potentially, once you get enough users, actually what they click on, you know, will always to give people the ability to sort of upload and download things, whether that's public or not, I'm not sure. Um, but no, we're, we're very interested in people trying it out. Um, the website is available. The Telegram channels are available. The chatbot will be available soon for everyone. Yeah. Um, but but I think I think where people do get stuck is they're like, oh, how are you going to make money from this? And it's like, look, I have some ideas, but, um, you know, the reality is it's a new form factor. And... It's not that people don't consume the news. People consume the, the news tremendously. So I think for people to use this, I mean, there is a substitution effect on some level, right? It's like, we need to build something that's so compelling. Either brings in new people or people on a one-by-one basis choose it over however else they were following or not following these things. I think I think mostly we're creating a new experience that people haven't had. So it's really, I think, about new usage. I mean, I mentioned the UFC. Yeah. Uh, really, really hard to follow live. Like the only way to really do it, I think, is to go to like, you certainly can't do it by hashtags or anything silly like that. You'd have to go to like a make like a live Twitter list, which is what I do, and sort of pull refresh. I mean, it's really rough, you know. Um, it's really kind of shocking to me that well over a decade later, they like have never rolled any anything else. But but it's hard, you know. I mean, I built it manually. Well, not like manually, but with previous generations of AI for you know well before LLMs for NBA, and it was really hard. So yeah. I kind of get it. But um, I think I think you're really creating a new experience, but it has to be so good people sort of seek it out and experience it, enjoy it and share it. That's really kind of our singular goal. Obviously, at also a reasonable cost. <laughs> um, you know, the the LLMs are interesting because unlike most, unlike a lot of these internet-first products, it's really not a zero marginal cost good. Unless mm-hmm. something like Google and Facebook does, they really do have zero marginal cost for, sharing, for showing you more stuff. Yeah. It's so close to zero. But for LLMs, it's not true. I mean, there's a reason that all of these language bots, good ones, OpenAI, you know, character AI, whatever, they're all charging you 20 bucks a month because it actually does cost every time you get something new, 
you know, they're not cashing anything really. Well, you hope they're not. Maybe they're cashing the jokes, you know, tell me a joke. Maybe they're telling you the same joke. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the, the, it really does cost, um, it really does cost, you know, marginal amounts of money to answer these questions, to do it. So um, that's kind of an interesting case. But, you know, if you're, do, if you're doing the, if you're looking at the non-chat version, if you're looking at the website, like that is a zero marginal cost good, right? We built some infrastructure across this money to build it, to do it, you know, to like update the stories every five minutes. But it doesn't cost us anything to show it to you on the website because that's sure. how the internet works. Sure. So I, I think it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting case. Yeah. The, the point is to really just to, to find out what works, how to, you know, which of these things matter the most to users and um, yeah, new form factor. Yeah. So uh, is there a chance that the uh, unit cost goes down with scale? Sure. Yeah. So that's actually the great thing. That's actually why it's an, it's potentially an amazing business model for the, you know, open AI and uh, character, uh, character AI people of the world. Like right now they're charging people 20 bucks a month. And the rumor is that like, it, that actually like it's, 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 it's people who use it a lot basically cost them significantly more than that. Right. And they, they want you to use it. This is not like a gym membership where, you know, you pay 80 bucks in your sports club and they, and they hope they never see you again. Like that's not, that's not their goal. Their goal is they, they really do want you to find it valuable. And they're willing to like let you have a lot more stuff that costs a lot more than twenty dollars, but the usage does cost money, so it has to be paid for, even if it's you know they have ne- even if they have negative unit margins in practice. But of course, over time, uh, you know the cost goes down to serve the user, right? Like these things get cheaper, uh, GPUs get cheaper, models maybe get more efficient, but certainly better. And that's the thing. Over time, you know, you know, with with sort of you know Moore's law and even scaling laws of algorithm and stuff like you get, you get a better product for a lower price, right? So these margins flip from negative to positive, and people are used to paying. The problem, of course, is the news media is people were not used to paying, so it took a long time for them to get used to paying again in a different way. Now, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are listening pay for like multiple Substacks. I know I do. But that's yeah. a relatively recent phenomenon, you know. Like the New York kind of kind of credits the New York Times, you know, and Wall Street Journal and things like that. People know that they pay for that, and now they pay for Substacks and you know, it's, um, yeah. Uh, one question just in terms of like thinking about monetization, like, uh, does deep news drive significant traffic back to some of the sources? I would hope so. I mean, right now, I mean, our usage isn't that high, but we're big. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. I think, yeah. I mean, that, that's been the, that's been the story in the past, right? Like for all these news publications that, you know, complained about Google and Facebook, but like they get tri- given, driven all their traffic by Google and Facebook. So, you know, that's why there were lawsuits against the news companies. As Ben Thompson reported, it doesn't re- never really made any logical sense. Like, sure, if Google and Facebook disappeared and no one replaced them, people would have to go directly to the news sites. But if these sites exist, then they're like, how dare you take our content? But on the other hand, please keep linking to us. Right. You know, please keep using us. Like, the worst thing is not to be used. And there's, and there's a very few publications that literally don't get indexed and are okay with it. The viewers Financial Times, they're just chilling. But most are not like that. So I think that, and Twitter in particular, I mean, sort of make a little bit of money through Twitter now. I mean, I don't, but some people do, but like fundamentally people are there to gain attention to their brand and to their reporting. Um, so I think being, you know, being cited as a source is, is something that people want. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, um, Nikolai, this has been a great conversation. Um, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come on and speak to me. Um, I think deep news is, yeah, like one of the most interesting applications that I wrote about uh, when I first messaged you about the show. 
of like trying to use LLMs to really work out the news ecosystem. Um, any last thoughts um, before we we head out about uh, just to leave people with with regard to you know thinking about deep news and where where all this stuff is going with with AI and uh, news? Um, not so much. I mean, I think I think I think people will, will enjoy seeing things reported in a straightforward manner that'll be more customized to their high level preference over time. I'm actually curious to ask you, I mean, sure. what, what do you sort of from, from where you sit, um, you know, what's sort of interesting here? Where do you see this, this space sort of moving beyond just like the form factor, right? Which is like, it is nice to just have something short without ads, like, you know, well, without, you know, maybe we'll have AI generated ads in the future, not us, but somebody will, but like, I don't know. What, what, yeah. what, do, you, what do you think about all this stuff? Yeah. Well, well, I, I think the, the cumulative effect actually removes a lot of like narrative spin that's get put that that's put on the news. Um, and I think that's actually one of the most interesting, like just observations of the properties of the kind of stuff that gets produced from something like this. Um, is it like when I'm reading the New York times or I'm reading the Washington post or the wall street journal or whatever, um, I'm not just getting straight news. Like you said earlier, people like this concept of straight news. I'm getting like, you know, a particular journalist's, uh, you know, way of writing and, you know, expected style and also to whatever extent there's a spin on the publication. But this kind of, um, service, uh, because it's drawing from so many different sources, uh, and it's really just serving me like the most salient thing. And then it's, you know, getting processed through an LLM. It sort of does like strip away a lot of the, um, a lot of the stylistic, and you know emote emotive elements um from like my information diet and i'm not sure if that's like appealing to everybody but at least for me it um it yeah it like it gives me the kind of news that like is not trying to trigger my limbic system and i think that's something that like if we could move away from uh would would be like would be like very good uh just like not getting triggered all the time (laughs) And, yeah, and- no, that, that, that's great. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, I hear you. I, I think that's a very good point. Like, like, like a lot of these stories are absolutely right. Well, the th- the other thing you notice is for a lot of the stories, we have a short sort of informative headline in a small body, and that's all mm-hmm. you want to know. In many cases, just the headline. So exactly, you know, uh, friends, actor Matthew Perry dies. Like, yeah, everyone wants to know, but usually you don't actually want to read an article. Um, like I frankly, maybe you do, but most people probably don't. Um, you know, Jerome Powell sort of like snaps back at climate protesters also mm-hmm. pretty straightforward story you know but it just it, it is a different vibe you know um you know even like vc stuck in the mud and burning man you, you may want to learn more details you may not and and i feel like the traditional article format like beyond the clickbait headlines just makes you like read this article that's like too long for what you want to know which is usually like pretty short <laughs> kind of interesting isn't it yeah yeah i mean their the, the sort of entire model is built around kind of like pulling you in slowly and then you know making it so that the payoff is like as late as possible in the article for the actual information you're trying to get so this is like a complete like putting that entire thing on its head uh which i think is very good and interesting yeah 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 i think that's that's good and so and i think you said another useful thing which is it's not for everyone i think i agree i think i would much rather just provide a very clear and good service for people who want their news in a certain way i.e kind of straight and short Kind of like a lot of how people on Wall Street want things. They want things to the point. They have no attention span. Like they want to see, okay, I'm informed that trading is or not. 
Um, mm. yeah. I mean, I think we'd, we'd, we'd much rather have a, you know, a, a, a low percentage, but highly engaged audience that really enjoys the foreign factor and wants to help us make it better as opposed to like it being for everyone, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, this has been a fun conversation. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. And um, uh, yeah, I hope to see more from uh, Deep News. Oh, thank you. Enjoyed it.